Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Before we get into today's conversation, I have a quick favor to ask. We're serving our listeners to help us make CityCast Portland a better, more useful podcast for you. It's only five minutes long, and it's all multiple choice. It is. We actually timed it. When you take the survey, you'll be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. And in the interest of transparency, we just need 100 people to do it. So I'm asking, will you please be one of them? That's citycast.fm forward slash survey. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking updates on the daytime camping ban. Yes, we're still talking about it because it passed. We'll also be looking into the growing wait times at train crossings and the sewage spill in Lake Oswego that ended up in the Willamette. Joining me today is Portland Mercury News Editor Courtney Vaughn and CityCast's Director of Newsletters, Brian Vance. It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brian, Courtney, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. Courtney, this is your first time on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Brian, pleasure as always. Uh, Courtney, (laughs) you might not know this since you're new, but uh, before we jump into the headlines of the week, I like to ask a super random question at the top, and it helps our listeners just get a better sense of who's in the room. Uh, So this week's question is, what's the next thing Portland should legalize or if it's easier for you to think of make illegal i've got this because we've been trying to do this for years can we pump our own gas please can we just all pump our like if the legislature can't get it done can like i don't know can can we come up with like some weird sanctuary city rule that like we're the sanctuary city of pumping your own gas like we can do this if we want like (laughs) i'm just so tired of waiting for the person to come out and pump my gas, and they're on break, and then the person inside is like, well, that's not my job. I just want to pump my gas and go. I don't want to sit at the gas station for 30 minutes. It's annoying. Are you saying that the only way you think that Portland will let us pump our gas is if we somehow become a We're sanctuary n- The legislature's never going to pass it, Claudia. They're not even in <laughs> session. Like <laughs> It's been five weeks and they can't get the Republicans in the door. Like, we're never going to pass this. Yeah, I think we've got to kind of go rogue and and do our own thing. What are they going to do? Send send the 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 gas police after us? Yeah, the feds. (laughs) I don't know. I think they'll send the feds, Brian. (laughs) I think we've been down this road before. Courtney, what about you? DHS will start grabbing us. (laughs) I don't want anyone to um, make judgments about, you know, my my drinking habits. I'm not actually a big drinker, but I think like other states, Oregon should just allow sales of all types of alcohol altogether. It's really weird to me that uh, you can get beer and wine and not uh, liquor in the same store. Other states do it. 
we should find a way to do the same. Oh, you mean like in a grocery store or like at a tavern? Yeah, no, in the grocery store. Uh, in other states, you can walk into, you know, like Trader Joe's yeah. and get liquor, beer, wine, right. all under one roof. Rebuttal, our liquor would skyrocket. Yeah, the prices do go up. Uh, but rebuttal to your rebuttal, uh, we could get things like drive through liquor stores, which are super cool, and they exist that's in Ohio. That's exactly, that's the last thing Portland needs, <laughs> is a drive through <laughs> liquor store. Hey, we're like bracing down for a shit storm. You know what we need? More alcohol. Just and you don't even have to leave your car. You just you stay in your oh, car I just, and they load it up. I can keep driving? Oh, okay. I can't wait for the police reports of someone who just passed out in the drive-thru because they were already <laughs> drunk. Yeah. And it's just like someone stole my car and then went to a drive-thru. Now, just like, I'm just thinking of all the ways that the crimes that are happening can be worse and they all involve this drive-thru. But Brian, I agree. Those are awesome. That's They're, <laughs> they're, they're like the, one of the weirdest things in the world, in all honesty. Mine isn't going to be about making things legal. It's going to – I just want one thing to be made illegal. Uh, okay, you know when you're at an intersection? I feel like you should be fined, possibly arrested, if while making a left-hand turn – you don't move up to let cars behind you that are continuing down the street to pass. I feel like this is like an unspoken rule in most major cities, but for some reason, Oregon, when they're making a left and there's oncoming traffic, you know, on the lane, they have to wait. They're they're so scared and they don't want to go up into the intersection because they're afraid they're going to get mowed down. But it's like, no, no, this is our time. You could go up to the intersection and now everyone behind you isn't going to be late or isn't going to just like curse your name and i just feel like to me this was just like oh this is common courtesy and this is but this is it's not it's not people don't know about it they don't know that i don't know if they don't if they think maybe that's illegal so i just feel like if we make that illegal to do yeah make yeah. people less timid just you know yeah. courtesy exactly it's legal just, to be cautious get, <laughs> get up just, there Get, get up there. Grow some guts, yeah. Jeez <laughs> Louise. But I wanted to uh, let you know that uh, there are still some really weird Oregon laws in effect. And Brian, I thought you would really love this one. You cannot get married in an ice skating rink. That is still a yeah. law. So many so many marriages have been blocked because of this. It's, it's really unfair. <laughs> it's my favorite one. If you're an aspiring juggler but aren't yet licensed, refrain from doing so in Hood River because it's considered an illegal act unless you have a bona fide juggler's license. You have to get licensed to juggle in Hood River. I don't know what vaudeville lobbying happened there. but (laughs) That's some big government overreach right there. Like, I need a license to juggle? That's not fair. True, true travesties. Um, You also can't whistle underwater in uh, Salem. That's all. Okay. (laughs) I don't even think that's... Is that possible? Well, I'm going to try this later. Uh, I'm going to see if this is. Even oh no, possible. Brian, you're going to find out why it's illegal. I'm going to drown. <laughs> so messed up. You just, you're going to like summon up some sort of a Leviathan in the Salem parts of the Willamette. A water and it's demon. Like, and just this is why we said no whistling. <laughs> I'll report back and let you know. Uh, maybe uh, the city will get destroyed. We'll see. Oh. Oh, so anyhow, Courtney. <laughs> oh. Uh, you are a guest. We'd love if you go first and tell us what your story of the week is. Sure. Uh, so the big news is uh, something that everyone's been talking about for a few weeks now. Um, the Portland City Council did vote to pass an ordinance that will effectively ban 
camping um, in most public spaces from the hours of 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So we've kind of framed this as a daytime camping ban. Um, it's been pretty controversial. You know, last week during the public hearing, the council heard, I think, about five hours of public testimony. Uh, and that was in addition to more than 500 comments they got from, you know, in written testimony. So a lot of people um, have a lot of feelings about this, but it is going to go into effect um, in, in July. Uh, and so um, there's, a, there's a lot of speculation about um, what this will look like for the city to try to enforce. We know that Portland Police Bureau has staffing constraints. Uh, and there's also been some speculation about just how legal the ordinance is. Uh, we've got some attorneys who are wondering, you know, how do you um, tell someone they can't be here, they can't be there, uh, when it's really not clear where these prohibited zones are. Um, so the city says, you know, they're going to release some maps, which is something that a lot of folks had asked them about. That, that you know, they say they'll release some maps, like give people a sense of where they can rest uh, legally. Um, but until then, there's just a lot of uh, questions and and um, uncertainty about how this is all going to shake out. Well, I'm curious, like, what is your big unanswered question, Courtney? Because I mean, there's so many things that they just have not clarified for people about this, and. Uh, What's the one that you're most interested in getting an answer to? Yeah, you know, I think we got a little bit of clarity yesterday on whether the city would release some kind of maps. But but even then, in my mind, I'm, I'm wondering, how does anyone who is currently unhoused and sort of trying to survive day to day um, have access to those maps? Are they going to be posted around the city? Uh, are they just going to be posted, you know, online? Not everybody has, you know, internet access. Uh, the other big question I have is, where are folks going to go? I know right. previously some staff at the city suggested, you know, you can go to libraries, but there's already been questions about, you know, what is that, what kind of burden does that put on librarians who you're sort of asking to become de facto social service workers, if right. that's the case. Yeah. And I think the, another big thing related is like, where do they take their stuff? Uh, yeah. You know, before you could leave your tent there and go to the library. You could leave your tent there and go to your job because homeless people do have jobs. Not all right. of them, but, you know, there's a good portion of them who do. Now you have to take your house with you right. uh, during the day because you don't have a place to keep it. It's a great question. And, uh, you know, the city has said that they will expand some of the storage spaces that they've made available. Um, they do offer something akin to like a locker or a storage area. Uh, but even that is not truly accessible to everyone we know. You know, you, you might have trouble navigating all around the city. Like you mentioned, if you're trying to work, um, the question of becomes, what are the hours that these storage facilities are open? Um, where are they going to be located? You know, for folks who work, some of them don't work during the day. Some of them work in the evening hours. So there's there's all kinds of reasons that this might be difficult. Are these city sun, city funded lockers like, or or is someone just saying the word lockers? Do you know what I mean? Like when whenever they're like, hey, we need a solution, and someone's like, maybe we'll do some lockers, but there's like absolutely no you know foundation for that solution in any way. It's just like an idea someone threw out, or are there actual lockers that exist and a plan in motion? The city staff makes it sound like there are actual storage spaces, whether okay. that's an actual locker or not. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but they claim there are places that folks can take their items to be stored safely. Uh, but we have heard from homeless advocates who say not everybody is comfortable using those. Some people don't trust the city. They don't trust that they're going to get their things back uh, or they Valid. just can't get there during the hours of operation. 
so the city claims are going to try to expand access, but um, really unclear about the number of spaces or facilities that are available. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about this, I feel like, every week, uh, <laughs> because every week a new thing happens or a new thing is added. Um, there's still just so many questions. Right. The one thing that did come out of the vote is my favorite part about the commissioners, um, how the commissioners reacted. So uh, as you said, it passed, but it passed. The only person who dissented was what I think a lot of people thought would, would be the holdout, which is Carmen Rubio. And uh, last week, she tried to propose an amendment to the ordinance that would have paused the fines and jail time associated with the policy until the city had enough shelter beds for all unhoused Portlanders, which seemed... She was just like, hey, you want to go into law? Sure. But how about we don't find them to oblivity, oblivity, oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> oblivity is me. Oblivion. How do we like find them to oblivion or to, or like, I don't, jail time um, for being ho homeless because that's actually, that's illegal. You can't. It's illegal and it causes that's, harm. Yeah, you know, that's like illegal. You Yeah, you can't jail someone for being homeless. Okay. Said it. So that's what she was asking for. It didn't happen, of course, uh, but my favorite response is Renee's Gonzalez, which is also him just being like, well, I don't think we went far enough. Right. But you know what? We The law, we can't wait for perfection. We're just going to have to move forward. He wanted, uh, essentially, he wanted the language that you can't have any encampments near schools uh, to be like letter of the law. And uh, weirdly, I don't know why, but I agree with a, both of them. And I just, this is, it really bums me out because I'm just like, oh God, this is so complicated, you know? Cause I really wish this were like a black and white thing where you're just like, this is good and this is bad, but you're just like, it's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, a mess. it's all, yeah, like, it's all bad. Yeah. I'm also interested to see how much it costs taxpayers in terms of lawsuits, because I mean, that may have not been yeah. Carmen Rubio's main objective there, but that was definitely, you know, that had to have been part of it, like understanding that that it's illegal to penalize people when you don't offer them an alternative. Uh, that's going to that's going to open the city up for lawsuits and that's going to cost the taxpayers money. Yeah. And one other point I'll make is uh, some folks have pointed out that they that there are um, studies that show that offering permanent supportive housing costs uh, government entities less in the long run than keeping folks chronically homeless. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's been it. I'm just also just my next like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next is how all of this is somehow going to comply with Tita Kotek's uh, state law that was already passed and everyone's supposed to be in compliance by July, which to me, I'm just like, well, if we keep if we're just going to find people and and put them in jail for being homeless, I feel like that is not what that law says. So this sort of prompted uh, most of the city council's action. This prompted this ordinance, so to speak. Um, so, the you know, city already has codes that say you can't, uh, you know, you can't camp. And if you do, you are subject to fines, uh, possible jail time. Um, they haven't been enforcing those because they conflict with this, this law that you just mentioned, House Bill 3115. Uh, and House Bill 3115 basically said, if you're going to put rules and restrictions around homelessness and, and places to rest, they have to be reasonable in respect to the time place and manner of the restrictions. Uh, and a lot of folks do feel like the city's new ordinance or revised code, if, if you will, um, sort of does just that. But um, they feel like they needed to update their rules and they feel like this is a more reasonable update uh, by offering, 
you know, just restrictions during the day and saying you can rest at night, but during the day you have to pick up your things and go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is going to be another, let's wait and see. I don't know, listeners, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this every day now. I don't know. This is, maybe this is our <laughs> new, maybe CityCast Portland is just going to be called Daytime Camp Ban Portland. And this will be our new beat is just trying to figure out how this law is going to work. Because I feel like we, we every every week we just get like one little new piece. It's um, just little breadcrumbs every I week. I know. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It's so slow. Okay, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Brian, what's your uh, headline of the week? Well, this this is also something that we're just going to kind of have to wait and see, but at least there is uh, s- some movement here. So um, I lived in the Brooklyn neighborhood for a while. There is a Union Pacific rail yard there, and there are a lot of freight train rail crossings in and around Brooklyn. Probably every Portlander has been stuck at the crossings at like 12th and 11th and Division, oh, yeah. uh, where they're one-way streets, so you can't even like turn around and just go back. That is a notorious uh, bottleneck there because of these freight trains. So um, actually a story in the Portland Mercury, Courtney, from your colleague, uh, Taylor Griggs. Um, Peabot finally got some money to study this. It's I mean, I find it kind of funny that we have to study this because it's like we already know this is a problem. and We already <laughs> know what the problem actually is. Um, but but, you know, like progress is progress. So they got uh, $500,000 from the federal government to, to look into these really problem uh, freight train crossings, specifically in the central east side, where there's a bunch of these in very close proximity to one another, um, and study solutions. And so, uh, you know, it is it is movement after years of people literally being stuck there for sometimes 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, I've seen people get out of their car and go to Pine State Biscuits and get get food because they know they can't go anywhere because these trains, they're not moving. Yeah. They're sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Because the trains are aligning themselves because there's a there's like a that's the junction where they like back up, they move forward, they do all these crazy things where you're just like, why, why here? You know. Well, and what's really interesting about that, which I didn't realize this, but Taylor's piece mentioned that since 2018, Union Pacific in particular, which has a huge presence here in Portland, that's not the only rail yard they have in Portland, um, has expanded the average length of their freight trains 30 percent. So they've gotten sub- substantially longer. They they argue it's it's more efficient, which I, I can understand. You know, trains do build up momentum, and so they they can technically use less energy once they get going. But this is the thing that's really frustrating: is like that rail yard in Brooklyn isn't long enough to accommodate the length of the the trains that they're trying to make. So they're actually blocking roads, public access, to extend their their trains, which is a private business. It's it's just like the the concept here that a, a private company can just kind of like block roads for however long they want and there's nothing a city can do about it just just kind of blows my mind and uh that's where i'm kind of like i don't really understand how five hundred thousand dollars is going to do anything because as Peabot has said their hands are kind of tied like, also it's not going to it's basically going to say this is it is a problem that's what's five hundred thousand dollars is going to do but that money is is going nowhere t- towards the solution and no. there's not even funding for the solution so let's say the five hundred thousand dollars gets us a nice pretty glossy dossier that's like these are all the reasons it sucks and it's all the reasons that was we already knew why, we all knew right? this. Yeah. we all knew so that happens uh but more detailed you know uh there's going to be more pictures 
And now we'll just wait for another federal windfall to maybe do something about it. You know, and it sounds like Peabody is maybe a little bit hopeful that it'll lead to some solutions, potentially maybe uh, an overpass or some other way to, to route traffic. Because, you know, as Brian mentioned, you're right. Um, it, oftentimes traffic is stuck there for up to an hour. TriMet has said, uh, you know, as much. They've had to reroute their buses frequently oh uh, because of that yeah. train and it's caused headaches for them. And, um, you know, a lot of people mentioned, yes, you can go around, you can go up to 20th or something. But the fact of the matter is people get stuck there all the time. Right. That that works if you're at the back of the line. Yeah. If you're at the front of the line, yeah. you can't go any. They're one-way streets. You yeah, cannot back up through a parking lot full of cars and, mm-hmm. and go down division and go further up the road. Precisely. Yeah. And for all the like anti-car people that are just like, who cares? Whatever. It's it, terrible it's, to cross. it's everyone. It's like yeah. human beings can't cross, can't walk. Bicyclists mm-hmm. are stuck. That's actually – and that's – I don't know if you've seen this. I have seen people who are walking Try jump to, the trains. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is so, so dangerous. dangerous. I understand your frustration. Like, I understand how awful it can, especially if you're trying to get to work. But, like, that is so dangerous. And that is one of the things that hopefully this this report that they that will come out of this study, you know, will really highlight is just the the prevalence of that and just how how much potential there is for for harm because of that. And there are solutions here. I mean, what was cool about Taylor's piece, I wish I would have known about this guy when I lived in Brooklyn. There is a guy in Brooklyn who has mapped all of these problem intersections mm-hmm. and has mapped all the various ways that you can get around them on foot or on bike. Uh, how has Peabot not partnered with this guy and just <laughs> taken his maps and like put them in signs or, you know, like yeah. detour this way? Like it, he's done the work for him. Like he's already highlighted all the different places you can go to get around a stop train doesn't work for drivers, but, you know. It works for bicyclists. It, yeah, because he's on a bike. Yeah. yeah, And, and, uh, and, and if you're walking. walking. Yeah. I feel like, just so you guys know, if you guys are like, what? We will link to that blog in our show notes so you can see for yourself if you're ever stuck. Um, but what I thought was really cool, too, about this whole thing was that the only reason Peabot was like, mm, let's look at this, is that 1,500 people signed a change.org petition, and I just never thought those worked. Because I, I feel I like saw. there's so many silly change.org. Like, I feel like your your brother can make one for you and just be like, me, Claudia, stop doing this. You know, and everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> just as a joke. And I'm just like, but Peabot like, was like, oh, yeah, let's pay attention to this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the last one I saw had something to do with, like, bringing back a canceled show on HBO Max (laughs) when it was HBO Max. Uh, It's like, yeah, so to see that, like, there was one that was actually about something that a government agency can actually do something about was super cool. So um, I want to go to my story, if that's cool, um, unless we're Let's Let's keep it moving, yeah. All right. No no block trains here. (laughs) Damn, Brian. That was terrible. That was no, my, that was my was, dad joke for the week. No, man. Keep them coming. <laughs> uh, so my story is kind of a callback to our Tuesday's podcast. Uh, we had um, Willie Levinson from the Human Access Project. So the Human Access Project is uh, this amazing organization that has been uh, – for years, just trying to change the branding of the Willamette River of like, hey, it's not a stinkhole. It's a beautiful place for us to all swim. And uh, he's right. Like the, the math is there. It's it's a thing. But uh, so, he, so he comes on. He's convincing us all that it's perfectly safe to swim in the Willamette. Uh, and then literally the next day, Brian, you sent me an article yeah, <laughs> that stated I... around 500,000 gallons of treated sewage spilled into the Willamette. 
uh, near Lake Oswego's Foothills Park early the day before. The timing like, was incredible. It was incredible. And um, and and you're just like 500,000 gallons. Well, it's a whole river. What does that mean? Uh, people were warned uh, to stay out of the river around that access point for about 48 hours as a result of, you know, obviously increased bacteria in the water. And so now I'm just like, oh man, so how safe? <laughs> I'm back to square one. Well, I'm like, wait, but how safe is it? Yeah. <laughs> But yet, but the statement said, this is like Oswego, by the way, was like, like, hey, hey, like, um, our bad, that sewage was treated. It just needed one final, like, little sprinkle dust of something, uh, like, one last stage of disinfectant. But, like, really, like, that poop was clean. And, and Portland said they would be working with Lake Oswego to replace their very old sewage treatment facility. Cause I guess like both of like both cities were just like, so uh, what happened there? But what happened here? Yeah. Wasn't there a pump that failed or something that like yes. <laughs> just dumped all this into the river? It's gross. And I, I kind of think, you know, regardless of whether they say, Oh, you know, don't worry. It's, it's, it's been treated. I think just the hearing that like any amount, whether it's one gallon, 500,000 gallons is enough to kind of turn you off. Right. Yeah. It's enough to make you not want to swim for a while. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, it, the good news is like the river flows upstream. There's a lot of water coming up river that's going to wash that out. Like it's not, you know, that's not going to be there this weekend. It's going to be safe to go in there this weekend. But it's a big PR hit for for all the people who've put countless hours into cleaning the river up and making it an accessible place. And that's the unfortunate part. I do want to point out that like the way exactly what just Brian said, uh, there was a wave of Oh, just fear. I don't know if you guys were like in town for this, but there was this fear maybe like 15 years ago or so when I was working at the Portland City like water lab for like we, we would get samples, daily samples, and we'd mm-hmm. always test, you know, like shut that reservoir down. We're not doing that one today, whatever. Um, and I was hired because uh, they needed extra help because there was like this like frenzy that people were so afraid that the remnants of drugs that go into the sewage. Do you guys remember this? Well, I, re- I remember there being a fear that like people were flushing things like oxycodone down the toilet and that it was uh, dissolving in our sewage system and then getting into like the drinking water because we we treat water. You know, the the water that you poop in doesn't actually come back down your, down your pipe into your cup. But like people don't necessarily understand how that works. So there were worries that like, you know, you were going to take a sip of tap water and you were going to get high on... Uh, opioids or like. become a man or become a woman right. because that was the other thing is like yeah, oh there's all these the hormones and- in the water there's all these like uh you know antidepressants and this is not only just like flushing down it's like when you yourself uh you know pee and or other things right um, right it comes out of your body you know into human waste into the sewage system so yeah it's not it's not just people flushing it down but yeah i remember that okay so that was a huge do you remember that courtney I, I don't, I, I, this has been something that I feel like has been a recurring theme around the country. Like this is something that I've heard brought up in multiple cities that, oh, there's all these drugs. Everybody's taking everything from, you know, birth control to heart yeah. drugs is ending up in our, in our streams and systems. Well, you um, want to hear the findings? Definitely. <laughs> so Portland, what was found the most remnants of was caffeine and antidepressants. Shocking. <laughs> wow. And here's the, and you want to know how much it was, like how much caffeine and antidepressants is running sure, the world? Yeah, yeah. Let me, so imagine um, the Sahara Desert. 
two grains of sand. <laughs> yeah, huge problem, Claudia. Huge uh, problem. We were we're all yeah. So I'm just saying, 500 gallons of waste sounds like a, sh- a shit ton. <laughs> but it's you know when you put it into perspective, like yeah, like of it's a flowing river, massive river too. Like that goes away. Yeah, it's it's not that big of a deal. Even though like I you know I I was like I'm, I was like just mathematically and scientifically speaking, and also you know it just. I feel like the city is so on it ever since the completion of like the big pipe project that they're just like mm-hmm. on it. Like that is a big concern. That's- well, I think what's cool is like we we get notified when this happens now. Like it comes out really quickly that there was a sewage overflow. And, you know, as your guest on Tuesday pointed out, like this does still happen every now and then, but it is substantially uh, less common than it used to be. It's huge progress. And, you know. It it sucks. It's annoying. But for two days, you can stay out of the river. And then this weekend, you can go in and splash around. Just don't drink it. Don't drink the water. Silver lining, I want to say, we hear a lot of warnings about, you know, it's getting hot, but be careful because the water, you know, is, is still very cold. And so maybe this is uh, some, some needed caution. Who knows? Maybe it keeps people out. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps them from <laughs> you know, getting but drunk I keep, dip, dip your feet in, but don't, you know, maybe fully submerge. Just, just wait. Yeah. You know what, though? I, I actually get sometimes alerts from Willie about how cold the, the river is. Like, it's 67 degrees. It's perfect for dipping. You know, and I kind of wow. love that. That is and awesome. And I wish that, that, that I wish now that there was some sort of like app where you can go that was just like, how swimble is the river right now? Do you remember that? Is it raining in Portland? Website? Yeah, it's always Someone. yes. <laughs> yes. Can we just get that for the river? Can you swim in the river? Can we it's get just some venture capital? Yes. I love the app yeah. idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for uh, joining me this morning. I appreciate. Uh, I I cannot speak to it. I appreciate. I appreciate you. <laughs> it's not even that word either. I really, I'm really glad you were all here, Courtney. Uh, again, great job, first time. You did wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Claudia. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producers are Julia Fiaioni and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Steven Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.